finished. We have just finished a whole series on spiritual warfare. But you see, you're not finished. That's just the beginning. You're going to walk and you're going to grow in spiritual warfare. You're going to walk and you're going to grow knowing who you are in Christ. Being confident of who you are in Christ. And so today, the Lord specifically told me to talk about the purpose of the church. So today, our discussion is called, Who is the Church? Who is the Church? So we're going to start in Matthew 5, verse 14. I'll be reading from the NIV today. Matthew 5, 14. It says, You are the light of the world. A city on a hill that cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. Okay, that's a tall order. Let the light of Christ and only the light of Christ shine through you. But you can do it because you know who you are in him. Now, uh, I'm not going to read much out of the Aramaic today, but I am going to read that one because I just like one word that's really good in, that, in the Aramaic. You are the light of the world. You cannot hide a city. You cannot hide a city that has been built upon a mountain. That's you as the body of Christ. That's who you are. And they, plural, do not light a lamp and set it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all those who are in the house. All right. So I want you to recognize, I've gone back, of course, through the Greek, and there's something really important about this verse. Because so many times we look at the, these verses singularly. Like, I'm the light of the world. Through Christ, of course. Right? So we look at them individually. And every single time the word you is mentioned in these verses, it is plural, it is not an individual you. Okay? And that's the key we're going we're gonna to talk about today. Because in this context, you is a collective group. It is one unit. It is a body with the goal of glorifying God through action. Okay? Through good deeds. All right, so every time the word you is used, it is plural. And light, if we go to Strong's, we look at the word light. This is a powerful, powerful definition, and I want you to really try to grab hold of this definition. It is spoken of especially, it says, especially in terms of the results 
especially in terms of its results, the result of shining the light, what it manifests, in other words, what the light shows, what the light manifests. So in the New Testament, it means the manifestation of God's self-existent life here on earth. All about him, his, all about his life, his life, his eternal life, his complete life, his powerful, supernatural life. So it means the manifestation of God's self-existent life, divine illumination, divine illumination to reveal and impart life to you, in other words, through Christ. That's the definition of life. Have you ever thought of it that way? That's a powerful, powerful element. So this means that our purpose, if we are the light, that means that our purpose is to form, all of you, a unified body, a unified body manifesting the life and love of God through you. That's, that's your purpose. Revealing and imparting the life of God to the world. Because Christ is the light in us, right? If you're a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, that's the light in you. And you are his body, so you are required. You are given the wonderful, beautiful, awesome opportunity to impart God's life to everybody around you through Christ. Hallelujah. That is awesome. In order to do that, each one of us must step up. We have to know who Christ. That's why we keep, we've gone through this, not only these last, like, however many weeks, but over the years, We've gone over who Christ is in you, the power that you have, the love that you have, the divine nature that you have, okay? And we each must realize that, own that identity, do our spiritual warfare in the identity of Christ, and take our individual parts each of you plays an individual part so that the whole is the shining life of God, body of Christ. Uh, in unity, in unity, you can do it. You can be in unity with your brothers and sisters. I know you can because you all have the same word. So in unity, declaring God's glory. That's who you are. That's what you do. That's what you're going to accomplish for God. So that 
There's a reason. And it is so that the world, those who do not yet believe in Christ as their personal Lord and Savior, so that the world is drawn to that beautiful life and light, okay, and love, because you, as a body, are demonstrating it in action. You are the demonstration of him in action here. Now, that might seem like a tall order, but he's given you everything you need to do it. That's why it's important that there is never strife among you, never backbiting, never contentions, okay? So, it should be that when people come into the church who want to see God, that that is exactly what they see through you. That is exactly what they see when they come to church. They should be able to come into church and see how we all love one another, how we're united in love, in the love of Christ, and that will be an actual physical manifestation of God here on earth, of his life here on earth. That is irresistible. If we are truly doing our job, that is absolutely irresistible to every human being. There is no greater power on this earth than the love of God demonstrated through you. No greater power. So we as one people loving each other, displaying the life of God, the heart of God, to a fallen world, displaying his goodness, his kindness, his mercy, his forgiveness by our actions, not just our words, by our actions, by our actions. So that is one reason that it is so very important for you, for me, to walk in forgiveness. You see, The world needs to see you forgive those who seem unforgivable. The world needs to see that. To forgive those who seem unforgivable, because there is no such thing. Did God forgive everything? Does he forgive everything about you when you go to him? Okay, then you should never, we should never have in our heart that something that another person does to us is unforgivable. It, it just isn't. It's just, that's an oxymoron. Okay? Um, because when the, when the world sees that forgiveness that we have amongst not only believers, excuse me, but even, you know, to the world, obviously, the world says, well, you know, who does that? Who acts that way? Who pursues a relationship with someone who has hurt them, with someone who has tormented them, with someone who has harmed them in some way? Who does that? Who does that? Well, 
Who pursues someone who sins against them? And I'm talking about pursuing. I'm not just talking about walking away and letting it go. Who pursues? Does God pursue you when you mess up? Yes. So who pursues someone that sins against them? Well, God does. And we're supposed to be his character here. That's who we're supposed to be. We are supposed to be his character here. And so we need to show that forgiveness to the world and to others so that they can see him. Because, so how might that look? Let, let's just pause for a minute so that we don't just like brush over that. How might that look? Okay? That would look like you not getting offended to begin with. Not even just have to, for, you know, getting offended and then forgiving. Don't get offended to begin with. Assume the best. Have you, have you ever done something? Have I ever done something where I didn't even necessarily know that it caused a harm to someone else? I, that never was my intention. You know, maybe words came out wrong or maybe I did something that maybe could be interpreted in the wrong way because maybe I just didn't think about it. Okay, so it, it entails just you know, just drop it before it starts. Assume the best about your neighbor. Don't assume they were out to get you. Don't assume that they meant to hurt your feelings. You know, maybe, maybe, I, just, maybe I just misinterpreted something. Maybe I could have been more clear. You know, little ways to walk in love. All right. Because when the world sees... That kind of forgiveness, that kind of love, always extended, no matter what the circumstance, its brain goes tilt, and it says, wow, that is really different. That is, like, totally illogical. That is, like, sort of stupid. Right? <laughs> you know, why aren't you trying to get vengeance? Why aren't you trying to get back? Why aren't you trying to take care of yourself? You know? And so, when they see that, they see a love, they see a forgiveness that's not natural. It's not natural, it's supernatural. And that draws hearts. That draws hearts. And because that is a picture of God's love for you. Right? That is a picture of God's love for you. That is a picture of our love for one another through Christ. And only Christ will be a, can give you the power to do that. So we display then by our actions the love of God. And people will see God and they will be drawn by that difference if we do this right if we take it seriously. Okay. The world, the scripture says that the world will know God by your love for one another. John 13, 35. By this, everyone will know that you, by the way, that word is also plural, are my disciples, if you plural, love one another. So 
We are out to win something here, beloved. We are out for a prize, beloved, and that is lost souls. Okay? We are out after a championship. Winning lost souls. We have a goal. We have a purpose. Because God wants every single person he ever created to live eternally with him. And our loving one another draws people unto him irresistibly into his kingdom. No one has seen God, but if we love one another, there is a physical manifestation of God on earth. That's why we focus so much on the love of God here. His manifestation, his love, his life brought alive, brought alive. I am talking about the living God. He is not a bench warmer. He's not on the sidelines. He's not just standing there watching. Jesus Christ in the born-again believer is alive. Alive. The motivating force. Living force. So, when we bring his life, when we bring his love alive through us, to infuse this world and he is able then to speak to each heart and bring life to every heart. Right? Okay. So in the Old Testament, what, how did they go? Where did they seek the presence of God? They went to the temple, didn't they? They went to the temple. There was the, the innermost court. There was the Holy of Holies. You know, and and the high priest would go in there, you know, and seek the presence of God. Well, guess what? You don't have to do it that way. (laughs) Hallelujah. In the New Testament, you all collectively are the temple. You know, we look at those verses so often that I am the temple of God. Well, you are. But it's so much more than that. It is so much more than that. Yes, you are the temple of God. Yes, you need to know who Christ is in you. Yes, 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 you have the Holy Spirit guiding you and directing you. But we're all together, his body, his holy temple, together, collectively. 1 Corinthians 3.16 in the NIV Don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in your midst? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy that person for God's temple is sacred and you together... Have you ever seen that word? I'm reading in... You together, NIV 84... You together are the temple, are that temple. 
Every single reference also in this verse, in this passage, is plural. It is never singular. Not once is it a singular you. We all together form the temple of God. We are not just temples individually. You know, American culture, our culture, emphasizes I. I, 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 I. I need this. I need that. I want this. I want that. He has a greater purpose, beloved. We're not, yes, he blesses you. Yes, of course. But we are not just here for I. I am not just here for me. You are not just here for you. We, okay, it is important that you know that God blesses you. Why is that important? Why is, why is it so important that you truly do understand the promises of God and that they are for you? Yes, they are for you individually. Because unless you understand the promises, you can't stand on them. And when you don't stand on them, and you let the devil steal, that glorifies him and not the Lord. So yes, you do need to understand that the promises are for you, but they're not just for you. I feel like these past like 20 years, all the churches wanted to focus on, frankly, was how every single individual was going to be blessed without any big picture about why that was important. Because it's not just about you getting your things. I mean, it is about you getting things so that you can bless others. It is about you walking in the victory and the promises of God to draw people because that really does glorify God. When you know who you are in Christ and you receive the promises of God and you say yay and amen to every single one of these promises in here, no non-believer cannot be drawn by that. It's like, what is different about that? Why? Why are they blessed? Okay? So yes, of course, you want to walk in the fullness of Christ because he designed you to walk in his fullness. He designed you to walk in divine nature. But it is also important to recognize that it's not just for us. It is for an ultimate goal of winning souls, discipling people, and glorifying God. Okay. So thank God that we are all part of this larger body called to declare the praises and the excellencies of our Father and to glorify him. Each of us gets to be a part of the greater. That should make you feel awesome. Each of us gets to be a part of the greater called out by God. You are called out by God. You are called out by God. You are called out to be his chosen people. You are called out as a holy nation. You are called out as a royal priesthood. You are called out as a special possession. All of that is the word. And we need to own it. We need to understand it. 
We are called out collectively to demonstrate God's goodness because his kindness will lead people to repentance. Okay? Romans 2.4. Or do you show contempt for the riches of his kindness, forbearance, and patience, not realizing that God's kindness leads you to repentance. You're not going to have to convince anybody of anything. His loving kindness will draw people to repentance. Isn't that what drew you? So God's kindness demonstrated through us, right? Demonstrated through us, one to another, will bring others into the fold. All right. I want to go to 1 Peter 2, 9 and 10. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light, Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. If you are saved, if you are born again, if you have confessed Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Hallelujah. Now I want you to look at this verse. Every single Reference to you is plural. Not a single one is singular. Every single one. And every single reference to royal priesthood, holy nation, God's possession, um, what was the other one? Chosen people is singular. So he is taking the body united and making it into his singular unit, his body. That is a privilege that each believer has. That's, it, it is a privilege. We are called now the people of God. We are called out. We are collectively his chosen people, his holy nation. So now you, functioning as that, are a conduit between God and the earth. That's who you are. You are a conduit of his character. You are a conduit of his life. You are a conduit of his love. You are a conduit of his power. You are a conduit of his forgiveness. You are a conduit of his mercy. You get the point? You are a conduit of God to this earth. Wow. Hallelujah. We are, as believers, ones in spirit, one in spirit, a nation that is totally different. You are a nation that is totally different. You don't look like any other nation on this earth. You are a supernatural nation. That's who you are. 
We live differently than the world. We live by different standards. You are purified, you are sanctified by the risen Lord. And you are called to live differently than the world. You are called to shine that light that we talked about in the beginning, which is the revealed, manifested life of God. That's what the light is. And that is a difference that people see because they see the love of God manifested through you. Holy nation, singular, but it is not just you individually. It is all of us together working, loving in unity to be that force on the earth. It is the family of God. It is a family. We are a family here. We are a family. We care about one another. We watch out for one another. We lift each other up. We're not afraid to show our faults because there's always going to be someone here that will edify you and lift you up in the word. And if you don't believe that, just hang around for a while and you'll see that it's true. Because we've all needed that at some point. And you find it here. It is bigger, this is all much bigger than just you and me and us getting what we need. It is about all of us together working to bring the very glory of God to this earth. Because that is what this is. It is the glory of God through Christ, the demonstration. So now that we, we know, we've studied these for the past weeks, who we are in Christ, we must make intentional choices. Intentional choices every day to be him to the world. To walk in who we know we are and not just be lazy and say, well, it doesn't really matter because every choice you make matters. I'm not trying to be heavy, but it does. Whether you pray for someone matters. It matters. It changes things. So that's why each of us need to grow up into Christ. Ephesians 4.15, instead Speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect, in every respect, the mature body of him who is the head that is Christ. Okay? If you stay in this church, you're going to be grown up. You will grow up. And that's a really good thing because it helps you first, And then it helps everybody else. And sometimes you're going to hear a word that you don't like, but it's going to be this word. And God disciplines those he loves. So this is what you're going to hear. And you're not just going to hear it from me, you're going to hear it from your brothers and your sisters. And they can handle it. So as each one plays our part, we contribute to the whole the part that God designed each one of us to be. God has you here for a reason. Every single person here plays a special part. Okay? 1 Corinthians, I'm going to read a really lengthy, lengthy, lengthy passage. Starting in verse 12, uh, chapter 12, starting in verse 12. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 12. Just as a body, though one 
has many parts, but all its many parts form one body. So it is with Christ. For we are all baptized by one spirit, so as to form one body. Whether Jew or Gentile, slave or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. And that is the spirit of truth, right? The Holy Spirit, the spirit of truth. And we were all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but many, but of many. Now, if the foot would say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not, for that reason, stop being a part of the body. See, it's, it's being a part of the body, but it's not recognizing its usefulness. It's not recognizing its importance. And if it chooses not to function, it's letting everyone else down. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not, for that reason, stop being part of the body. When you're a believer, you're still part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. Do not ever look at somebody else and say their gift is greater. If you are striving after somebody else's gift, you're going to miss the gift that God has for you, and you will never enjoy their gift anyway because it wasn't specially designed for you, and it will never satisfy you. God has perfection in gifts for you, and when you receive his gift, not looking at Oh, that person can sing. Oh, that person can do this. Oh, that person has this much money. Oh, that person has that car, or whatever. When you get your eyes lateral, you miss the vertical. You miss what God really has for you. And you're going to enjoy what he has for you much more than if you envy and, and strive after somebody else's gift. So we need to learn to be content and appreciative and understanding of our gifts. But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. Down to verse 27. Now you are, you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. So, the Bible is not just about the individual drawing attention to oneself, individual, it is about the body. The body of Christ working collectively for something. And that something will glorify God. The leg, let's just take the example of the leg. The leg doesn't like exist over here all by itself and say, okay, you're like, I'm the leg right here, see me? Like, see what I'm doing? Because the leg walking around by itself isn't doing a thing. 
It's not accomplishing anything. It can't even, frankly, get anything for itself. You know? It has to be part in order to do its job. It, it, it's completely ineffective, isolated all, all there by itself. God doesn't mean you to be a, a, an island. The leg would be totally ineffective trying to function on its own. And it gives support. What does it do? It gives support. It, it provides mobility. That's important. That's important. Its usefulness is as it is attached to the body. No, no other usefulness does it have. Okay? So forgiveness, let's just remember we talked about forgiveness earlier. Forgiveness isn't just so you can go to heaven, although it is for that. Forgiveness isn't just so you can walk in freedom, although it is for that. It isn't just so that you can have deliverance here, although it is for that. Okay? Forgiveness is something so much more. It becomes your witness. It becomes your witness. Okay, this is just one example. Okay, we're just using forgiveness, but you could use this for anything. Okay, any of the things that the Lord wishes us to do. You know, the character of God. All right, basically the fruit. It is your witness to draw others by the love of God to be the demonstration, to demonstrate his freedom, his deliverance, and then they see that in your life and they desire him. Okay? So we must stop just focusing constantly on ourselves and our own little earthly kingdoms. Does that make sense? God did never, did never, God never focused on himself alone or he never would have sent Jesus. You just remember that one thing. He never would have, he never focused on himself or he never would have sent Jesus because do you know that kind of pain that is created by sending your son to the cross? Do you know the separation that Jesus had to endure when he came here as a man? So each one of us has part. We are the body of Christ. We are part of a team, the body working together, a holy nation, a royal priesthood, a special possession. You belong to God, frankly. You don't even belong to you. So you might as well get that under your collar. But that's the best place you could be. Because as his possession, you're going to fare so much better than worrying about yourself as his possession, doing as he pleases and wills. You, you couldn't be in no better spot. I'm, I'm happy that I am God's possession. That thrills me to no end. And then collectively together, we declare God. We declare God. So, God, he went to the nation of Israel, didn't he? He went to the nation of Israel and he wanted that nation to declare his glory. His chosen nation. He wanted them to declare his glory. But they disobeyed. 
They were hard-hearted, weren't they? Okay? See, if, if I had been God, I would have thrown him in the trash at that point. Aren't you glad he still calls them his chosen people? Aren't you glad you have an opportunity to support them? Because you should. So anyway, he wanted them to obey. He, so that, you know, he could demonstrate himself through them, that he could demonstrate his character to the world, that he could demonstrate his promises to the world and draw all people unto him. He wanted that. He wanted the world to see that he was near them. Right? He wanted that. He wanted to display his promises through them to the world. But because they disobeyed, where did he go? He went to the Gentiles. Right? Am I correct? He went to the Gentiles. Okay? So we together, as believers, you, as believers, have been given this incredible, glorious opportunity of eternal weight, of eternal significance to demonstrate him. As we love him, right? As we love him, as we love one another, because we first have to understand the love of God for us, and then we give that out to other people, we walk then as a united body of Christ. His promises then manifest through us and become a demonstration to the world of the fullness of his glory. (coughs) Not just one part. The fullness of Christ. The fullness of his glory. The fullness of the character of God. His love, his mercy, his kindness, his forgiveness. You are a holy nation now of people from all races and all walks of life. Chosen as his body, the body of Christ, to display his attributes, his love, kindness, goodness, his character, his life. When people see that, it is irresistible. He wants us to declare him, not, however, just by talking about him. You are hands and feet. You are feet on the pavement. Precious are the feet of those, right, who carry the gospel. You have precious feet. The world will see us by the way we interact with one another, and they will make judgments on that. Whether they should or not, that's how it works. Okay? And when we declare his praises, they are going to want to be a part of that and come to him. So this whole beautiful gospel is not just about my relationship with God, although it is, because that comes first, right? You have to be united with Christ first to be effective for God, okay? So that comes first, that's a step, 
But then we become this worship. All of us together, moving in unity and love, we become this worship, this melody to God. Why do you think worship is so important? This is not just a a nothing, I gotta get, grin and bear it, get through it. Worship is an example, honestly, of what the body should be to the world. It really is. It is, it, is, it is crucial that we engage in worship when we come here. Because there are all these different instruments, there are all these different voices, some sing melody, some sing harmony, and they become this one united melody of incense to the Lord, but a melody of incense through song to the world. So don't just come in here and throw away worship. You're looking like Jesus when you enter in and take your part. So beautiful saints, precious holy ones, we are here, we are here to occupy until he comes. That's your job. And this is the only way you're truly going to be able to do it. You are here to occupy. You are not someone that is supposed to be sitting idly by. He wants you to take your part. We are here to occupy until he comes. We are here to hold back the darkness so that there will be this tremendous harvest of souls and you are the ones, you are the only ones that can hold that darkness back for him to get his job. Because the ultimate plan is not going to change. There's going to be evil days. There's going to be war and destruction and, and evilness. And you taking your part, doing this, being a united body, loving each other in unity, standing against the forces of darkness because you know who you are and you know your spiritual warfare and you take it seriously and you, come, you become this mighty worshiping song unto your Father that melts hearts. You must occupy. You must Hold back the darkness. It says, love your neighbor as yourself. You're holding back darkness. You're shedding light. It says, what you have done to the least of these, you've done for me. You're holding back darkness. You're shedding light. We are doing what is needed when we do these things We are doing what is needed so that God in our midst, God in our midst, ushering forth from your bellies, will be with us and make disciples. 
and save souls. Now I'm going to end with Matthew 28, 19. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you always. I am with you always, even to the very end of the age. Hallelujah. So do you have a concept, a picture of who the church is. Does this give you a picture of who the church is? Say, I'm the church. I'm the church. I am a lover of people. No matter what. I can walk in the mercy and the love and the forgiveness of God. Hallelujah. So that's what the Lord had me share with you today. Um, right after this, we have Celebration Sunday today where we all get together and share a meal and um, just have fellowship. So I'm going to take, if there's anyone here today that does, has not Receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Everybody close your eyes. If there's someone here today who has not received Jesus as their Lord and Savior, raise your hand, and I will be happy to pray with you. Okay, I guess we're all believers in the Lord. I have one, Jim, thanks. Okay, so we're going to take communion. Communion is open to every believer in Christ. Open communion to every believer in Christ, and then we will accept